Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the U.S. and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now here's your host, Dr. Nick. My recent interactions with the healthcare system have been disappointing, and none more so than the challenge of obtaining affordable medication. I found myself traveling overseas to purchase drugs to make them affordable, sometimes just to avoid the extra costs that's applied to every prescription you obtain in the US that requires an annual visit to the family practitioner. While getting a regular health assessment is a worthy goal, getting access can be challenging with six-month wait times and costs that in the case of a high deductible plan, get transferred to the individual. Drugs remain a major challenge for anyone needing medication for anything. In my case, it's a simple generic drug. That's one that has long passed its patent protection and can be manufactured by anyone, dropping the cost for many of these drugs to pennies. So when I went to refill my prescription that had come in at about $12 for a year's supply, I was left speechless when I went to pick up my medication and was asked to pay a total that would have translated to about $800 for the year. I did what many patients do and declined my medication and walked out of the pharmacy. Thankfully, right around this time, Mark Cuban's organization launched Cost Plus Drugs. So named because they have a very transparent mechanism for pricing. They buy the drugs at the lowest cost they can, add a 15% margin, and then add an additional $3 handling charge and a shipping for every prescription. Even with all the extra overhead, the difference between the Cost Plus's price and the one I was given in the pharmacy was over 8,400%. I'm not the only one who's benefited from this new player on the block, and I've been quite outspoken in my praise for the company and what they're doing to disrupt the pharmacy system, and in particular the pharmacy benefit managers. I've seen many stories of people who have found huge savings and they've continued to expand their offering beyond the initial 100 plus or so drugs they had on stock. Their model bypasses all of the administration that is linked to some of the stratospheric costs we find ourselves paying for drugs in this country. They don't deal with insurance. To some, that might sound like a problem, since we all think of insurance as paying out for our healthcare needs. But healthcare insurance is poorly named, in my view. It's not really insurance, but more of a club card allowing you to get supposedly discounted prices on healthcare and drugs. In the case of drugs, the tangled web of pharmacy benefit managers has made it next to impossible for anyone, even experts in some cases, to get to the actual price of any drug or medication. And with increasing cost shifting to individuals with high deductible plans, most people find they're paying for insurance, then paying for all the healthcare they receive through the year because they never reach their deductible amount. So the good news is there's a new player in the pharmacy and drug delivery town. But is it enough? And is there more that can be done? 
Join me on the Healthcare Upside Down show as I talk with Zach Robinson. He's the founding partner at Disclose RX. Hi, Zach. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Nick. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, we've seen Cost Plus enter the marketplace, reduce the price of drugs and really bring what I would perceive, and I've certainly been uh, shown in the uh, uh, forums to talk about uh, the value proposition uh, and the savings that this has brought to uh, individual patients for the cost of drugs. Do you agree? So I think Cost Plus has certainly a position in the market where they can have impact be, primarily because, you know, the multitude of the market, approximately 75% is controlled by the three largest PBMs. And so for members that are members of, of those PBMs, there can be unpreferential treatment of those members and, and the therapies that they're on that cost those members more and certainly cost their plans more. So, you know, cost plus is, is kind of doing things that we, we've already seen in the market a little bit um, it, with much slicker marketing. And uh, like I said, I, I think that there is definitely a place for that direct to consumer model. Um, but I, I don't think that it really goes far enough to, to solve the problem. I, I don't think that Mark Cuban, in, in his very colorful way, is um, going to uh, beat anyone up too, too poorly with uh, the, the business model that they've created. So what you're saying is that it's good. It's, you know, I've certainly seen the value proposition for me as an individual. I've talked about this online and um, shared the positive experience. But what you're saying is there's more to it. So whilst Mark Cuban has brought transparency to the uh, marketplace of drugs, you're saying that's not true. I, I, I don't say that, I, I wouldn't say that I'm saying that that's not true. Um, certainly they're being very transparent about how they operate. So a 15% markup on, on every drug, a $3 dispensing fee for every drug, and then some sort of shipping uh, cost for, for each of those drugs. I just don't think that at the end of the day, it gets down to the, the lowest net cost possible. So you, because of that, that 15% markup and the dispensing fee of $3, I mean, we usually see that between 60 and 90 cents. So you, you, th those are the elements that make their business model work and, and operate correctly. And, and, and again, still better than what you could probably get through Express Scripts or CBS. Um, but it, it doesn't go as far as, you know, other solutions do to bring down the cost for, for the member and the plan. And it also creates, I think, some interesting dynamics for the member, because if they're on a drug that even through Cost Plus costs them $75 a month, and that member is part of a high deductible plan, maybe it's better cost to, to get it through Cost Plus than whatever pharmacy their pharmacy benefit manager prefers, but they're not necessarily getting credit for that $75 a month that they're paying for that drug. So I think there are some, some interesting elements there as well uh, from a member care standpoint that just add some some complexity that I don't think is in the best interest of the member. So I, I think, you know, genuinely done some good things, a positive change, moved the needle, 
um, to, to improve the pricing, but there's much more beside it. It sounds like transparency is what we should be shooting for. So I, I, I love the word transparency because it's it's thrown around so often in the healthcare market space as the, the end-all be-all solution to, to fix everything. And especially when it comes to PBMs, because that's that's where my expertise lies. Uh, I, I believe it, you know, it, this uh, phenomenon exists elsewhere uh, across the healthcare spectrum, but especially as it relates to PBMs. Transparency really only means what the other, what the person on the other end of the phone or at the other end of the table wants it to mean. It it, it often ends up meaning opacity or or translucence rather than transparent. And unfortunately, that's because there's no one set definition to what transparency means. So at you know, shameless plug, disclosed RX, our philosophy is we go by the Securities and Exchange Commission's definition of full disclosure. And that definition states that all parties to a transaction have all relevant data about that transaction, and it's verified by an independent third party. One of the things that we do on every invoice that we send to our clients, so just as an example, is we give the client certainly, you know, the RX number, and the pharmacy that that drug filled at. And then we also give the client the phone number on the claim level detail for every claim that processed for that invoice. Why do I give the client the phone number? We give them the phone number because one of our clients or their broker or advisor or consultant can, can pick up that invoice and at any given time, call that pharmacy and say for RX number 64571, how much did you charge? And the pharmacy will say it was $25 with a $10 copay. And the invoice is going to say $25 with a $10 copay. This is one, one, one example of you know, how we kind of operate differently in that, in that spirit of full disclosure rather than uh, transparency, which I typically read as uh, translucency. So I, I, I've got to say I, I love that. I, I, I'll, I'll claim... Um, you know, my own failure at using that word and thinking about it in, in more positive terms than I think it actually deserves. I think full disclosure is an appropriate target, but we don't have anywhere near any of this at this point. In fact, we've seen moratoriums for the preclusion of any exposure of what's going on behind the scenes in drug pricing. Can you explain a little bit of what's going on in the background and how all of this works and why it's so difficult to combat? Well, so yeah, and it's interesting that that, that moratorium was increased uh, by way of an amendment to a gun control bill. So uh, that, <laughs> that that's a whole other story. But <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, for for such a long time now, the, the drug companies really kind of created this monster by trying to influence what PBMs would include on their formulary. And the way that they did that was they said, you know, we're going to give you this rebate. And because you're getting that rebate, you know, perhaps you will give us preferential treatment on the formulary, even though we know our med costs more than the other guy you're getting this rebate. Um, so we take that and, you know, use that as, as a way to keep us on your formulary. And that has evolved now to 
you know, other types of fees, administrative fees. And, and when you think about, you know, these GPOs that are popping up in Switzerland for, you know, the, the companies that are, that are domiciled here in America, um, it, it really makes you wonder why, why they would do that outside of our country in order to service members within our country. Um, but the, I mean, I think that, that, you know, those GPOs are just another way to increase that, that, um, translucence. And, and really, I mean, with the, with the large PBMs, they're not even aiming for transparent, right? They, they want it to be a completely black box. So the, as to why that's happening and it's money, I mean, there, there is so, so much money in pharmacy benefits and, uh, just gross, profiteering that that most folks have no idea even happens um one one way that that pharmacy benefit managers will uh, typically charge fees is they, they they might have no admin fee and and it's amazing that a company like express scripts with with no admin fee makes a hundred billion dollars a year uh one of the ways that they'll you know obtain the that uh, type of revenue is by charging members their full copay at the pharmacy, even when the drug might cost less. So if they go to the pharmacy, the generic drug that they're getting costs $4, but their copay says it's $25. The pharmacy benefit manager is going to tell the pharmacy, hey, charge the member all 25. You can have your four because that's what you want to dis dispense it for. We'll take the other 21, right? And that's called a copay clawback. I mean, that, that's just one of probably 53 different ways uh, that we know that the the large PBMs create revenue that clients really have no idea about, and and really these these large PBMs are profiteering off of the backs of their employees. You, you know, you bring up a, a great example, and it's a relatively simple one, um, where you know the drug actually costs less than the copay, but the full copay is charged. My understanding in in the industry is that in some instances the pharmacists who may know this because they're, you know, closely aligned are precluded from even sharing that information with the patient based on some of the contractual obligations, which, you know, has to feel very difficult for somebody that's trying to do the best for patients who are physically in front of them struggling with the cost of a medication and deciding whether they're actually going to fill the prescription. Is, is that true? That's absolutely true. And thankfully, some states are starting to wake up to this, right? And they're um, requiring that PBMs not have those gag clauses, because that's ex ex exactly what they were in their language in, in the pharmacy contracts. Um, but uh, some, some states don't, right? I, I believe it's 14, 14 or 17 states so far have passed legislation regarding PBMs in some form. Certainly, some of those states are uh, more aggressive than others in, you know, how far they go to uh, address those types of problems. Um, and, and really, you know, that's 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 one piece of a very large pie. When when you talk about rebates, when you talk about spread pricing, when you talk about pricing generics as brands. So we recently did a reprice of claims where uh, the client was um, covering lifestyle drugs. And so generic Cialis is Tadalafil. 
And for 100 to Dallasville claims, the client was charged $150,000. Well, they have a, about a $5 million drug spend. And that's, you know, 25% of their overall healthcare spend. So no one's digging into 150 grand. Unfortunately, for those 100 scripts of Tadalafil, the, the real price should have been about 1700 bucks. But, it, you know, the PBMs know they can get away with, and, and in, in some cases, they're required to charge the brand price for the generic because they took a formulary placement fee from the manufacturer that said, you have to keep Cialis on formulary, not the generic Tadalafil. And they say, okay, well, our clients really want us to, to push generic utilization. So here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll fill the generic, we'll charge them the brand price and we'll give you the difference. And, you know, it's it's all these kinds of, of shell games that really just um, create additional costs for plan sponsors and ultimately for members, especially for self-insured groups. M most folks don't even realize that their premiums are their money. And, and as those premiums go up every year, it's because their utilization for the entire plan has gone up. And, um, you know, as better healthcare consumers, they can drive those premiums the opposite direction. And we see that with the types of advisors that we work with often is, you know, instead of trending upwards, their, their, their trends are going down because they're innovative and in finding better ways to uh, handle healthcare costs. So, you know, on the individual level, we've got the likes of Mark Cuban and Cost Plus, which is sort of addressing a, a specific corner of that space, not really addressing, you know, the, the outrageous sort of behavior that's occurring with, you know, as you described this extension, by the way, that's to 2025 now that precludes at yeah. a federal level uh, of, of any actual um, investigation or, or revelation around this. So, um, but that's at the individual level, but most of us get our insurance through employers and I'm listening to you going, wow, this is a really complicated area and thinking, how do they approach this? Because ultimately getting into that level of detail probably is a bit challenging, but it sounds like it would be enormously rewarding. What should they be doing and thinking about? Yeah, so I think for employer groups and, and certainly self-funded employer groups or, or groups that should be self-funded because we, we see that pretty regularly where you know you have a thousand employee group that is still paying premiums to, to a black box every month uh, and, and they would be much better off assuming some of the risk and reaping the benefits of that for, for themselves and their employees. Because of the vertical integration between insurers, pharmacy benefit managers, pharmacies, you have United Healthcare, which owns Optum and OptumRx, and then you know the the OptumRx pharmacy. Because of that vertical integration, they've they've been able to create these bundled products, and those bundled products are very easy for brokers or advisors to implement for their clients, and so. They, they have some of those risk-based elements that, that employers can benefit from, but they're still seeing double-digit increases on their premiums each year. The part of the reason for those increases is because that vertical integration allows for even more revenue creation by the entities that are involved, namely the insurer and the PBM working together to create those revenues. So 
An example of this is on a bundled product, um, you may have a set cost PEPM for healthcare and a credit from the PBM side of, let's say, you know, maybe it's $32 per employee per month that you're getting a credit for using the bundled PBM. And, and they'll claim it's because of their vertical integration and all of these operational efficiencies that they're able to, you know, realize that that's that's why they can give not only give away, but pay you to use their PBM service. And, and really what's happening is, you know, we, we all know that they're, they're spread pricing on the drugs and they're retaining rebates. And, and so they're able to pay employers $30, $40, $50 PEPM to use their services and you know, laughing all the way to the bank. So I think that the, the ease of those types of products and, and the prevalence of that has contributed to employers just not always getting um you know the 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 best possible um deal that they can and, and now that we have uh, you know some more solid fiduciary requirements for plan sponsors I, I am really optimistic that will you know start to change as plan sponsors have to uh, perform evaluations and and make sure that their advisor or broker is really you know finding them vendors with the the best deals. So it, it sounds very much like that that easy button, as we've all sort of remember from that advertising, is the thing that we need to get rid of. Um, th there's a requirement to actually spend uh, the energy, the effort. You know, in conjunction with people that understand this, so I, I don't think this is a, a solitary activity. And, you know, as you described, that fiduciary responsibility, because we've seen this enormous cost shift to individuals that are employees. And, you know, your options or opportunity for insurance is relatively limited. You're tied to those services. So I, I, as I think about this, it's, it's really... We, we need to focus on the difficult task and I, I, I think unbundling of those elements to create the best possible package. Is, is that a fair summary? I, I believe that it is. And, you know, really, um, I, I think there's it, it's incumbent upon every part of the healthcare system, not not just members, to become better healthcare consumers, even, even at the physician level, right? Most physicians don't know that Humalog has an exact generic called insulin Lispro made by the exact same manufacturer that costs less than half, but you know, Humalog comes with a rebate, insulin Lispro doesn't. So, you know, as, as we all move towards these, these uh, being be better healthcare consumer practices, I think that's really, you know, what can kind of affect that market shift, but that that has to start at the top in the C-suite and, you know, them directing their advisor or broker to, you know, identify more innovative solutions and, you know, carry through with those. I, I think essential guidance for every employer, every patient, worker, uh, and indeed, as you rightly uh, point out for the physicians who, you know, have historically not had to be involved because there wasn't this kind of uh, actions going on in the background. But now it's having huge health impacts. 
Um, I, I think such an important area that is a massive contribution to the exorbitant spending that we have, and we're not getting the value uh, from that spending. Zach, thanks very much for joining me on the show. Dr. Nick, thank you and your audience for the time today. It was a pleasure. So with an extended moratorium on exposing the details behind all the schemes, refunds, kickbacks and rebates, we're still a long way from full disclosure on pricing. While we are all hoping to be able to push the iconic easy button, this is proving to be the worst possible choice. Because of the cloak of complexity, gag orders and the wide variety of ways that the flow of funds is hidden, the onus is on all of us to take the harder, less well-traveled path to more affordable and reasonable pricing of drugs. Your better pill to swallow is to accept that the bundled offerings are not in your best interest. They're not serving your business. They're not serving your employees or patients, and there is a better way. Refuse to accept the default position of brokers of continued price increases and bundled packages. Dive into the detail and seek the full disclosed details of pharmacy benefits you are purchasing on behalf of your company and your employees. Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will. That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com hud for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag, HCUpsideDown. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone.